Alright, what's going on everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. Before we start into today's episode, I have a quick question for you. Raise your hand if you are listening and you are a founder or you are a founder type or working on side projects. Now, if you're if you're driving, please don't raise your hand. But if you're thinking that's me, chances are you might have a co-founder and in today's world, everything's remote. And this is unfortunate for founding teams because teams work fastest when they're together, right? When you're starting something new from scratch, being in the same room has a magical kind of feeling to it. And when we're all remote, you don't really get the same thing. Well, what if I told you there's a way to get that same output, right? Get that same feeling while being remote. And luckily there is. Uh, our sponsor for the next couple of weeks for Forward Thinking Founders is Sidekick. And Sidekick is an always-on display that sits next to you, next to your computer. It allows you to work right next to your co-founder like you were in the same room. This eliminates most of the problems that you kind of get when founding a startup remotely. And you're able to move faster and, and, and kind of get stuff done in a much more efficient way like you could with if you were in the same room. And luckily, because you're a listener of Forward Thinking Founders, you get a big discount on on Sidekick devices. If you go to sidekick.video slash FTF, you get $30 off. The market rate is $50 per device. As a listener of this podcast, it is $20 per device. $30 off total per device. So go to sidekick.video slash FTF, get your devices, and get you and your co-founders working together like you're in the same room, even if you're remote. Hope you enjoy it. What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kuhn, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions of the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Justin Harris, who is a founder of Visionary Pass. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me on. Life's wild. It's, it's been a weird 20 weeks here in quarantine, sheltering in place, but you know, I'm happily surviving and working on passion projects. How about you? I'm doing pretty well with everything going on, everyone's moved to the cloud, which is great because I've always been in the cloud. <laughs> I've, I've, it's like this is where I've lived. So I'm just kind of welcoming everyone else to, to, to the cloud as well. So I, not, not obviously things have changed. Like I'm not going out or anything, but like overall things are things are pretty cool. I feel like you are not thriving because I don't know what you've been like before COVID, but you're doing some super interesting stuff. Like so I, I kind of want to start um, the conversation with a with the worldwide creators conference what that was and then i want to go into after i spoke what was sent to me and then we'll then we'll kind of like we'll just go 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 down the path so 
let's start there. Worldwide Creators Conference. This is something that you pioneered, you know, a couple of months ago or a couple of weeks ago. Tell me what, what, what is that and why did you decide to start that? And, and just kind of let's start there. Yeah, yeah. So I am an avid, um, you know, creator. I've been producing content ever since the early days when it was just a hobby as a first generation YouTube content creator in 2007, 2008, just uploading videos for fun. Uh, I got like a little toy camera. I think it was like called like the V now or V cam now by like Hansborough or something. It was made for kids. Um, I got it for Christmas. And ever since then, I started uploading videos on YouTube. And um, I've seen the business more from this, like, let's upload videos for fun to, oh, let's build a YouTube channel and be like a star. And um, right around when COVID hit, I realized that a lot of these creator conferences and every business and creator business have been impacted because events and in-person events were a big part of a creator's income. So I thought I'd bring together a ton of creators uh, to discuss what that was like and how to build a virtual business because for the longest creators didn't prioritize virtual because in-person was much more, you know, appealing. Uh, So I put together the worldwide creators conference and saw every other creators conference just like give up. They're like, Oh, COVID's here. We've lost a lot of money. We're not going to run a a conference this year. We're not even going to go virtual. And I'm like, there's there's no way to treat your community like that. We've got to create something where creators can come together and uh, have some type of online community. So I created the Worldwide Creators Conference, invited about 20 speakers to come and, uh, you know, just talk about their experience and what it was like to uh, build an internet business. And thankfully, which I appreciate, you invited me and my business partner, Jeremy, to speak, which was great. We spoke and it was super fun. Um, I, I enjoyed it. But the thing that really, I think the, the whole reason why, one of the reasons why I invited you on to the podcast is like what happened after I spoke. <laughs> so I spoke, you, you sent me this email saying, hey, thanks for speaking. I want to send you a welcome package. And I'm like, all right, I like welcome packages. And then I get the package and I'm going to stop there um, w- because I kind of like slightly want to build up the anticipation. Yeah. It's, um, what? Can you just walk me through your psyche of don't go into the welcome package yet, but like, why did you decide to send your speakers welcome? Actually, screw it. Talk about the welcome package. What was this welcome package? Why did you decide to do it? How did you even come up with the idea to include what you included? Like, I, my mind was blown, like when I opened this thing up. And like, That's it's literally awesome. the most creative thing I've ever seen in my life. So like, tell me about, <laughs> tell the listeners about this welcome package you sent me. Yeah, Sorry, yeah. thank you. Not welcome. It was a thank you package. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, uh, you pretty much received the first version and prototype of the visionary pass. I didn't even know what the hell it was when I sent it. Um, cause I had not built the software for it. I just knew that like, you know, it would work in the future. You could kind of program it yourself. And then I'm like, wait, I can build my own software for it too. Um, but the visionary pass is uh, a piece of interactive art. And as an artist myself, I create unique and abstract futuristic scribbles. And I decided to put together something personal. I know people love, you know, the the personal touch and the personal feel because we don't see a lot of handwritten letters or a lot of handcrafted art. uh, A lot of writers love to sign their books. So I'm like, I bet I could put together something personal based off each person's unique uh, contributions. And as a first year conference, I didn't have like a million dollar budget to pay, you know, honorariums or, uh, you know, speakers fees. And that was really tough 
when recruiting speakers, but I did want to make sure that they were valued and appreciated. So I'm like, I'm going to send every speaker, you know, a prototype of my first hardware product that I'm releasing on September 1st. And, um, and I'm going to do that without even telling them what it is. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's funny because it's multidisciplinary. Like it can be a piece of art you can hang up. It can be a tool that you uh, use to save time. It can be a tool that you use to share links. It can be, it can be anything because uh, essentially it's a near field communication pass that you can map anything to um, whether you want to share your contact information with people, um, whether you want to program a home automation or personal automation that programs and automates 10 things that you typically do every day and saves you 10 to 15 minutes, um, or whether you just want to look at the art and, you know, use it as motivation every day. Um, so that's uh, what I decided to do and, and send it out and me being inspired a lot by um, like my favorite brand being Apple. I'm like, it's got to be very creative the the you can't just open it up in a piece of paper and then you know uh, <laughs> you can't just open it up in a in, in a crappy envelope like it needs to have a great presentation so um you know i just spent a weekend designing it and, and putting it together um and making sure I'll, I'll let you tell a little bit more about like what that unboxing experience was like but as a creator myself unboxing products for the last decade i'm like this has to be a kick-ass unboxing experience well, it's unfortunate because you had you had a note in there, I think, if I remember correctly, you had a note in this package that said, hey, like before you open, no, it was an email, I don't know, somewhere you said, try to record yourself unboxing it. Yeah. And I didn't, which was unfortunate because I wish I would have done it. Um, and and, and I, I would like to say like 30 seconds after unboxing it, my fiance was like, oh, we should have recorded it. And then we tried to almost like redo the rebox. Like, it just didn't, it's just like, you can't do that. So I, this is honestly probably the best unboxing experience I've ever had in my life. I open because I have no idea what the heck it is. It's just package. I wasn't expecting it, right? It just came. And I'm going to forget some of the things that were in there. But ultimately, like the first thing I noticed is a badge. I got a badge for speaking. It wasn't like a badge. It was like a, it was a card in a little thing that it was like when you work at an office, you get to like, you stick it on your belt and you want to like get into a room. You're like, Zoom, you like take your, your card and put it on a thing. Like that was one part of it. But the cool thing was, is it wasn't just a badge. There was some near field communication technology inside of it. So if I wanted to like put my badge onto my iPhone, I could control something. I, it's, it's like I can control the world, which that was really interesting. There was a drawing, um, which I appreciated. There was a, a handwritten letter, which I appreciated. Um, and there was actually another Neil communication device and note that th these devices, I didn't understand this technology before. So like we just spent like 30 minutes figuring it out and we kind of did and we kind of did it. And like the, the kind of the mystery of it was kind of exciting, but I'll be like, literally for people listening, like Justin is not, you know, the, like I invited Justin on because that was literally the most created thing I've ever could have ever imagined in my life. I'm like, this is going to be so big at, at some point. So that's the company. So you're doing that at scale. So tell me about, so that little box that you sent me or that, that package. So is that visionary pass? Can you kind of tell me about exactly. some of your thoughts on like, is it, will it be the same version? Will it change a little bit? Is it, are people going to buy them? I guess we'll have to just kind of hear some of yeah, your thoughts. Yeah. On it. Here, I'll show you a little bit about behind the scenes there. So uh, I create a lot of, this art you know using acrylic and um the goal of it is to scale it up um over the next two to three months i want to go you know full-time in 2021 creating visionary passes um 
And when I look at the state of the industry right now, the longest, like what really restricted NFC was Apple. It was just not built into all iPhones. And I think they were really smart about it because NFC has been around since the iPhone 6 with Apple Pay. If um, Don't quote me on that. I think it's the iPhone 6. That's when I, when, but it's been around for a couple of years, I think 2015, 2016, but they restricted it to only Apple Pay. So the developer APIs have just been very limited versus Android. You've had Android NFC since the last like eight, nine years since like 2012 um and a lot of people in america just have iphones so it's been really hard to get a mass adoption of like tap to open or tap to use because it was just not in everyone's iphone but i'm actually really happy that um because everyone doesn't upgrade to the newest iphone so i'm happy that they limited it because all these older iphones still have the NFC and over the last five years, everyone's practically updated to an iPhone that has NFC without really knowing it. And with iOS 14, they're essentially unlocking it and promoting it with their feature called app clips, which is gonna enable physical interaction using a circle that you tap and it instantly loads an app. And I'm like, that's no different than NFC and instantly loading a website. It's just in Apple's world, they want you on their app platform and and anyone else's world, they want you on their app, whether it's in the app store, Android store or web store. So I'm like, this is a perfect opportunity to you know be an early adopter in that market, help businesses adopt this new technology, especially when we get back in the real world outside of COVID or the essential workers that are having to work right now. So that was the whole idea. It's like, I've got to get ahead of this technology before it rolls out in the fall. Um, and I'm forgetting like the original question. Um, no, that was, that, that's totally chill. I mean, I mean, you're literally painting the perfect, uh, vision for like, I, I don't know if you want to, I mean like venture scale or not, like the whole point, the whole way you're built, you're able to build a big company is by capitalizing on new technologies that are available and then doing it very quickly, which is what you're doing, which is cool. Do you plan on like giving these away? for free or like, cause I, mine didn't cost cause I had provided value through, through speaking at the event. Are you thinking about charging for these or how, how do you think about getting the word out um, about, uh, about these um, visionary passes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm still, you know, playing with the pricing model. I'm doing pre-orders right now uh, at visionarypass.com and the way I've got it set up cause it's a piece of fine art. Um, I'm selling them up front for a hundred bucks or uh, over the course of three months for 50 bucks. And um, I'm definitely playing with different pricing models because I look at our competitors, most competitors, they're pricing theirs really cheap and they're not making custom art for them. It's just like a slab of you know plastic with their logo on it and maybe your name. Some of them are customized, some of them aren't. And the, it only lets you share links with, if you look at any other competitor, uh, to their platform. So they've got a platform where you can put your social media on it. And if you want to share your social media page on their platform, you can. But with Visionary Pass, you can share any link that you want. Um, versus being, you know, locked to their, their platform. So, um, I want to check it out right now. Like the, what's the, what's the, what's the URL again? What's like, and if people are listening, like how, how, how can people find this website? Visionarypass.com. All right. I will, I will actually find, I'll, I'll, I'll find it in a second. So <laughs> what is your, like you're, you're this unique person because you're not a you got founders 
where they see like, a, like you got some founders where they see a market opportunity. They're like, Oh, like that's an underserved market. Let's, let's build for that. Raise some money and vertical. You know, that's just like kind of what some founders do. Then you got the, the total end of the spectrum, which is like total creators who are like, I just, I, I want to create. I, I love art. I, you know, I love music. I, I love I create. I just love creating, but like not scale. Then there's like the whole spectrum in the middle. I would say I'm like, 75%. Uh, I'm actually pretty much in the middle. I like I think I'm actually like very much so a founder and a creator. And with you, like, I feel like I don't know where you put yourself on that. But you're like a little bit of both because you see this market opportunity. And you're like, right, let's like do something with it. How do you how do you think about the future with visionary pass is your goal right now, just to um, become profitable in 2021 and go full time? Do you like want to raise money for it if it if it hits? How, how do you just think about this as a creator building on something that could potentially be venture scale? Yeah, yeah. I've always been torn with the whole venture stuff because I've you know spent the past five years working here in the San Francisco Bay Area building startups. You know, some small, some large, even working with larger corporations. And um, so I've seen startups fail. I've seen startups be successful. Um, and I've seen them take venture and I know what it's like to sell a piece of your company um, and to have, you know, millions of dollars to operate in this pressure to scale. And I've never been a big fan of that model of like, let's grow at all costs, um, which is why I've always bootstrapped visionary. But at the same time, I've never like limited myself. Like I've applied to tons of accelerators and uh, venture capital, but I don't think cr the creator model is you know designed for scaling at all costs it's designed for creativity and you can't you don't scale creativity you you just create like you're you're like i'm an artist and artists you it's hard to put a a value on um you know venture capital like that's why i love when you look at the ethos behind patreon like back in the days you just had people like you know patrons give you money to go create art without an expectation that you know it would scale they just did it for personal you know need and human creativity um and to support you and i think uh there's no good model for that right now um but yeah I, i'm keeping the doors open for venture but I, I want to also you know i like being small i like being the slowest growing in a way because um, i feel like there's a bit of fun factor with having a you know a, a unique piece of art and um rather than a thousand, two thousand, ten thousand pieces being out there, you know, it increases the value when there's only one out of 10 uh, that you have versus one out of a million. And that's why every visionary pass is different and unique. Um, so I'm, I'm open to the doors of venture, but I, I'm not sure how it's going to fit. And I, and, uh, you know, I saw you on Twitter last night. I'm super excited about the YC build sprint that's coming up um, with the equity free grant of, of 10 K like that's, that could propel us to maybe, you know, allow us to grow into 2021. Um, so something of that nature, I, I think I need to have some type of residency rather than a, um, rather than a, a VC backed, but it's, it's possible. We'll see. This is something that I, I have, I, I have a dilemma with as well. Cause I definitely like, I think I could raise venture if I want, like, if I, if I wanted to, like I have, you know, I met a lot of people. I think, I think I could, but I do think that you lose your creativity. Um, like, and you don't, you, you, it's easy to think, oh, you, more money means more creativity. But like, no, if like tomorrow I wake up and I want to do a trading card game for the people on the podcast, I can just do it. And, you know, I can just do it. <laughs> and, and it's just, it's the ultimate 
um, for me, it's like the ultimate dilemma of mm-hmm. uh, if is there a formula where you can raise get, get some injection of capital, but you truly can keep you can just do be you, even if that means like not growing at a venture scale rate, like you know, but that like contradicts itself. So it's I don't know. We'll, right. we'll yeah, there's some of those businesses, especially that you need, you know, to be able to spend money up front before you can even grow, you know, 1%. Um, so it's, it's tough because venture allows, if you've got to spend a lot of upfront costs, venture is great, even though it's not so great, you know, because <laughs> owning 99% of your company or 100% is much better than giving up, you know, 25% of your cap table. So um I think it's a lot like of people, people, and that. the thing is, like, with giving up twenty percent of your cap table, that's just like on the seed round, right? Like, if you if you raise the seed round, chances are you're gonna raise an A, then a B, and you're just kind of on the track. And it's like it's it's like bootstrapping that you can do. You you always have a chance to raise money. Sorry, you always have the opportunity to raise money. But once mm-hmm. you take that, like, let's say over like two hundred fifty k, like like once you like take a, a slightly meaningful amount of money you know, like you're kind of on the track, like you kind of made your decision for this venture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's funny though that like ventures are, or I don't want to say they're designed, but like it's it's normal for you to fail. And like, it's expected in a way that like, oh, this is going to work for two or three years and then you're going to bounce back up and make something better if it doesn't work out. Like startups are not supposed to really have a high success growth Um at least if you you know were to look at the statistics across all of them uh, of course you've got your unicorns but at the same time it's like it's rare that you're going to be a unicorn if you look at the statistics yep 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 100 percent um i agree um, that's just the, the game of startups so if you were to think about visionary pass 10 years from now and it, it becomes big, whether it's um, it becomes big, whether you know it's bootstrapped or venture backed or creator backed or whatever. What does it look like in a decade? Or I guess in other words, what is the vision for Visionary Pass? <laughs> I'd love it. Yeah, long term, I'd love to have uh, in person creative art galleries. Uh, this this tech is so fun and like I look back at a lot of the artists that inspired me one of them is uh, Jeff Hull um, he was a, a child actor at um, this place called Children's Fairyland here in Oakland California which was the precursor to Disneyland so when Walt Disney took his kids to Children's Fairyland he was so impressed that he went and built Disneyland um, and it's crazy to think that a little theme park here in Oakland that's still, at least prior to COVID, still operating, um, was the inspiration for this massive billion-dollar company, Disney. Um, and Jeff, he has an excellent TED Talk. He runs a, a ton of creative experiments here in SF. Um, and that uh, I watched this about two or three years ago, and it's inspired me to create Visionary Pass because back in Children's Fairyland, he had a key. And this augmented reality stuff and this near field communication and this creativity of like magic happening has been around forever that you put it in a box and a little fairy tale will come out. And 20, 30 years ago, the fact that a key could tell a story was magical. But now that you have a visionary pass and you can have that be a key to do anything of your imagination is even more powerful. So I think 10 to 15 years from now to have these interactive experiments in art galleries that are more modern because you typically go to an art gallery now it's just art i'd love to have the first digital art gallery that's you know 
worldwide that has modern art and not just you know my art but everyone's art you know people are creating tiktoks they're creating reels they're creating youtube videos they're creating media all day how do we get this content in a physical manner that's just as magical as children's fairyland was you know for anyone that put a key in that that box and a fairy tale came out like what if you could go to a modern art gallery visionary you know and interact with the world's art that typically you're sitting there scrolling with on your phone. So I'd love for you know, Visionary to go the in-person route. Like I look at things uh, like the Museum of Ice Cream that took off here in San Francisco and New York. Huge inspiration there. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'd like to, to be you know, 10 years from now. And to make that happen, like you'll need some help, you know, like you'll obviously need people to buy visionary passes. Maybe eventually you'll get some employer uh, employees. Maybe you will um, get investors, e- even if it's not VCs, like some sort of aligned investor um, or, you know, partnerships, anything like that. But who you'll definitely need help from is, is I guarantee it is the forward thinking founders community. So for my last question for you is how can the forward thinking founders community help? Um, are you are you hiring? Are you you know looking for users? Anything like that? How how can we assist with with your plans? Yeah, make some pre-orders. Uh, VisionaryPass.com. I would love to get some users and, and uh, beta testers out. I am building a community around it, um, and I'll explain kind of the the fun factor of uh, how I've designed the network. And I'll I'll send you an invite to the network too, where you can modify what's on your your Visionary Pass, but. Uh, <laughs> this is it's funny. I haven't. This is the first time I've even shared this. I haven't even written this down or, or designed how I'm going to pitch it. But this is how um, it works. You just you <laughs> you make it up on the go. That's how that's how this stuff works. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm so yeah. I'll send you an invite to the uh, 404, which is the community where you'll be able to connect with other visionaries. Because in COVID, you can't really tap anyone's phone and share your information. So. Um, I'd love for anyone, anyone can join it. It's 404.visionariuslife.com. Um, it's a community that I'm building. And then uh, those that get Visionary Pass will have access to the 302, which will enable them to redirect their Visionary Pass to anywhere. Um, and what makes those two special is I was inspired by like names like Slack, Discord, Soylent, and how negative they were. And what, like, what do you think of when you hear 404? This page does not exist. Exactly. So there's no such thing as 404 in our, in our land because every page redirects to some sort of value within the community. And then 302 is the exact opposite of 404 where you always have a, a value found um, on the web page. So 302 allows you to change the link of your visionary pass and 404 allows you to connect with other visionaries. So join us at 404.visionaryislife.com. You can make an account, say hello. And um, we'll see you there and pre-order at visionarieslife.com. All right. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Forward Thinking Founders. If you want more of Forward Thinking, I'm excited to let you know that we now have a community. Well, it's not really a community. It's more of a city. It's called Forward Thinking City. And in Forward Thinking City, you're able to do AMAs with past guests that have been on the podcast. For example, today we just talked to Jonathan Barkle, who's the CEO of Air Garage. Um, Additionally, we have the CEO of Catch, Kristen Anderson. We have Austin Allred, the CEO of Lambda School coming in. And these are people that you can talk with, right? 
you can ask them questions. These are AMAs. Additionally, you're able to do happy hours with other residents once a week so you can meet other people, learn about their startups. You also have a chance to do startup office hours and get feedback on your on your startup or your product, as well as get a chance to pitch actual investors, real VCs, and this is all only for $7 a month. So if you want to support me as a creator, but more importantly, if you want to move your startup career forward and faster and get you access to guests on the podcast, other people in the city, and potential investors, then go to forwardthinking.city and sign up today for $7 a month. That's forwardthinking.city. All right, see you tomorrow.